It is nice to see all of you this morning. I am glad to see you survived Panic Saturday. I don't know where these guys come up with this stuff, right? Did you know that yesterday was Panic Saturday? Evidently, the Saturday before Christmas is called Panic Saturday because if you go to the store, everybody's in a panic. I didn't go, so I don't know. But uh, if you went, you can tell me whether it's an accurate uh, description or not. Uh, Black Friday seems to be pretty fitting on some of these uh, uh, things that you see on TV, so who knows. Um, it, it's a wonderful day to, to be here. If you're visiting with us, we're especially pleased uh, that you're here. I know we have uh, different family members from out of town, and perhaps some of our family are out visiting uh, their, their relatives in other places of the country as well. So we hope that uh, these holidays um, will give you the freedom and the ability to get to where you need to go or for your family members to make it here. I uh, just want to bring a couple of things to your attention. Uh, you can see on the screen the Christmas Eve celebration this evening. That will be at 6 o'clock. We'll have a brief um, bilingual activity and uh, that will include singing uh, with our children and, uh, and then a craft and some refreshments and a message. We're going to be talking about angels tonight. So please, uh, if you're able to come back, be with us tonight at 6 o'clock. On Wednesday night, we will have make sure we're good. On Wednesday night, we will have, uh, this Wednesday, our regular uh, classes, except no Awana for the children, but the adults who are able uh, are welcome to come and join our classes. The following will be January 2nd, and that will be our New Year celebration. We'll begin at 5 in the evening, and we will be out back and have uh, hot dogs, a bonfire, uh, popcorn, and a movie. So please make plans to attend that. Uh, also today, immediately following our assembly, uh, we'll have a baptism. So the Spanish brothers and sisters will be coming and joining us here. So if you're able to, to hang around afterwards, we welcome you to, to do so. Well, I have good news. And that's kind of the right time of the year for good news, right? Good news of Christmas. You know, the angel came to the shepherds and they began their announcement. The day that Jesus was born, they began their announcement with a lot of fanfare. Light in the middle of the night. It's kind of like in a very, very uh, minimal way what we saw last night. I don't know if you went out and saw the, uh, the, the, the moon last night. But it was a full moon. It was one of those super moons or whatever. It was incredible uh, how light things were at midnight. Well, the glory of the Lord was even brighter, much more like daylight. And so the reaction of the shepherds as they were in the fields with no lights around and all of a sudden the angel, the light, and the radiance of the Lord's glory, they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The good news about Christmas. Now, when I talk about Christmas, I don't mean trees and decorations and round gentlemen with beards dressed in red. Um, Christianity is supposed to be good news. And, and if the idea of Jesus coming to earth isn't the best news you've heard in your life, 
then either someone didn't tell it to you right or you didn't understand it. Because this is good news. The real meaning of Christmas, the theological meaning behind all of whatever trappings we might have in our culture today. You know, as I was reading into this this past week, I I didn't realize that when the Puritans came to this country, New England, 1700s, well, the 1600s into the 1700s, they outlawed Christmas. They were trying to distance themselves from Roman Catholic practices. And so for a number of years, Christmas was prohibited. In fact, Alabama was the first state to legalize Christmas. And it wasn't until, get this, 1830s that they legalized Christmas. Up to that point, kids went to school on Christmas Day. People went to work. It was just another day. So... The good news about Christmas has very little to do with the trappings of what we celebrate traditionally at Christmas time. Now, all of that said, Christmas is still about presents, okay? It's still about gifts. Biblically speaking, it's about gifts. Uh, The the, the Magi, the wise men, took gifts to Jesus. Now, they didn't have a gift exchange amongst themselves. You know, that's, that's important to clarify. But they were bringing gifts to Jesus. But the more important gift that happens at Christmas is God's gift to us. God's gift to us. Jesus. Thanks be to God, Paul says, for this indescribable gift. The Son, His Son, Jesus. And so this announcement of good news is the following. The Savior has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. That's the good news. The Savior has been born. Yes, the Messiah, the Lord, the Savior. Now, to the people in the first century who would have heard this announcement and then who would have heard it either directly or indirectly as the word spread... They would have been overjoyed because they would have been longing for saving from the Romans. Finally, God is going to save us from these gnarly, nasty, good-for-nothing Romans. These pagan people who have infiltrated our lives and caused us so much grief. And, you know, as you think about it, and as you think about God sending a Savior... You can think of a lot of things that we want to be saved from. I might want to be saved from a particularly complicated relationship. I might want to be saved from a debt that's just overpowering that I can't handle. Perhaps a habit or an addiction or some sort of practice that seems to overwhelm me. That's what I need saving from. But when we read Matthew's account of the coming of Jesus, we get a little more specific about what exactly this saving is from. So this is how Matthew puts it. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. 
As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you will name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now now we know what the saving is about. From their sins. Well, that's not really what I was asking for on Christmas. It's not really what I was expecting for Christmas. I'm not even sure if I need it for Christmas. You know, you know, sometimes I feel like parents in a really complicated situation because uh, kids will go to the mall or they'll go to a, an event and they'll sit on Santa's lap and give Santa a long list of things they want for Christmas, right? Sometimes the parents are aware of it, sometimes they aren't, but they're still, regardless of whether they know or not, they're held responsible for not fulfilling that list. Uh, and sometimes it's a, it, it's a challenging list. But have you ever gotten a gift that kind of makes you make, makes you wonder? Like, you, you open up the gift and there's a bottle of mouthwash. Huh. Yeah. You know, I, I remembered a lesson, uh, and, and I, it's one of the few lessons I remember from a long time ago. Uh, someone once offered me a mint. I said, no, 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 no I'm good. I said, no, Jim, please. And so what they told me was, Jim, in the future, whenever anyone offers you a mint, just take it. Just take it. And so that stuck with me. And so I share that as a little bit of Christmas wisdom to, to you today. If anyone offers you a mint, just take it. But, but how would you feel if you opened up your Christmas gift and it was a bottle or a, a stick of uh, deodorant? Huh. I didn't think I needed that. Or you open up the gift and it's a book on dieting. Hmm, that's a little personal. Or if any of my kids were to give me a book, it might be 10 free driving lessons, a certificate, you know, on on free driving lessons. Well, those are the kind of gifts that I didn't even realize I had a problem. And I think that's the kind of gift that God is giving us. It's... I don't really know what to do with this. Because, you see, I've kind of convinced myself in this world that we live in that that I'm okay. I mean, I'm doing okay. I'm not great. But I can think of a whole lot of people who are worse off than me. But the reason we celebrate Christmas as Christians, the true Christmas, the coming of Jesus, the incarnation... God becoming flesh, because it marks the beginning of a rescue mission, the greatest rescue mission in all of history. And it's not only because God wants to rescue me, but he's also rescuing my neighbor and my family and every single person I know. And we're being rescued from this world with its tears and sadness and suffering and being rescued to a world that we can't even begin to imagine. But often we don't really realize how much we need rescue. Because this world has this uncanny ability to somehow convince us that we're okay. 
But what I've realized is the longer I live, the more it becomes clear to me that I need help. Because in my mind, I have an ideal of the kind of person I want to be. Kind, generous, compassionate. And then I look in the mirror every morning and I see the reality of who I am. And it seems the longer I live, the wider that gap gets. And I realize there's not enough years left to get where I want to be. Sometimes it happens early in life. Sometimes we realize later in life. But sooner or later, every single one of us are going to get to the point where the ideal of who we think we should be and what we want to be is going to be so far from the reality of what we are we will realize our desperate need for a Savior. If it doesn't happen before, it will happen when we die. When we're face-to-face with God, after our passing from this life, I think God's basically going to ask two questions. One, were we friends before? Do, Do we have a relationship And we might say something like, well, kind of like my long-lost cousin once a year maybe at Christmas time or at Easter. And then he's going to say, so what about all these sins? What about these, this gap in between who you know you should be and who you are? Well, before I even knew I needed a Savior... God gave me the greatest gift of life, Jesus, because he will save me from my sins. Because God knows that if I haven't already figured it out, I will get to the point where I realize I have the most massive, biggest spiritual problem that not anything on earth will solve. It's going to require the intervention of something supernatural. And that will be God himself. But what I find even more interesting is not only that Jesus is our Savior, come to save us from our sins, but I think the text goes on to tell us how he's going to do it. Matthew continues, all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet Isaiah. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. You know, there's no place in the New Testament where anyone ever calls Jesus Emmanuel. Paul doesn't refer to Jesus as Emmanuel. The apostles don't talk about Emmanuel. They always refer to him as Jesus. So so I think Emmanuel perhaps describes how God is going to save us, and he's going to save us by being with us. 
As I was reflecting on this year's rescue stories, three come to mind. During the summer, we were glued to our TVs and to our news uh, uh, sources when this Thai uh, boys soccer team got stuck in a cave. Twelve boys and their coach. The the way out for these boys was not to follow the breadcrumbs, right? It wasn't to drill a hole and tell them, okay, you're on your own. Good luck. God be with you. The way was for some experienced divers to go in and lead the boys out. God with us. God comes to sit beside us, to be with us in our cave, to draw us back into life. November, forest fires ravaged Southern California, well, a lot of California, but the campfire totally destroyed the city of Paradise, or the town of Paradise. Such an ironic thing. Well, as people were trying to evacuate as the fires were closing in, the Ponderosa Elementary School had about two dozen kids whose parents hadn't showed up yet. And the fires were right there. So Kevin McKay, who was just a recently hired school bus driver, put the two dozen kids and a couple of teachers on the bus to begin navigating the way out. He said the smoke at times was so dense that you couldn't see in front of yourself and fires were all around and he was zigzagging between different fire spots. The smoke began to fill the bus and so he took off his shirt and they wetted it with some water and ripped it into little pieces and gave a small piece of cloth to every child so that they would be able to breathe without at least minimizing the amount of smoke inhalation. Well, Jesus is to a much greater degree, the one who is willing to guide us through our own difficulties to lead us to safety. And then Washington State, uh, in November last month, there was a hiker from Germany, Katharina Grohn, who was making her way along the Pacific Crest Trail from Mexico all the way up into Canada, And she ran into a, uh, she was picked up by a lady named Nancy Abel. And Nancy was concerned because it was already November and they were into the northern part of Washington. She didn't have, uh, the Katerina didn't have snowshoes. And so she dropped her off at a point but continued to think about her, asked the police and the county sheriff's office to look for her and found her dehydrated, disoriented, disoriented. hypothermia. As Katerina was increasingly surrounded by the weight of what was happening, she began to take out her phone and record messages for her family and friends that she hadn't seen for some months and began to apologize for dying on the trail. And that's when Nancy and the sheriffs found her. Well, Jesus is again, to a much greater degree, but is that one that is a relentless individual who looks after us, 
so concerned, more concerned than we ourselves for our own well-being, that he doesn't rest until we are safe. Or, or maybe a little bit more realistic to, to how and where we live, uh, I was reading the story of a minister in England who had lived many years as a single man and got married later in life, and uh, his primary mode of transportation was a bicycle. And he had lived had, uh, all these years and ridden his bike without a helmet, and after he got married, his wife said, here's a helmet. He said, no, thanks, I'm good. And she said, no, 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 here's a helmet. He said, no, I don't need one. I've ridden it for 40 years. I'm fine. She said, if you love me, you'll wear the helmet. He wore the helmet. And just a few weeks later, as he was riding down the streets of London, he came across a drainage gutter or ditch that had a grate in it that was significantly large, large enough for his front wheel to spike into it. He was going pretty fast, and it catapulted him forward, and he landed right on his head. So he has that destroyed helmet in his office. He survived. And every time he's in his office and he looks in that corner and sees that helmet, he realizes that his wife literally saved his life. Even before he knew he would need saving, she provided the instrument that would save his life. Before we even knew it, God decided to join with us to get into our hole, into our well, into our cave, into our mess, and give us the greatest gift that you could ever imagine. God's gift is for the naughty and the nice, for those who deserve it and for those who don't. God's gift is Jesus, a Savior. The way Jesus saves us is by being with us. And the way we receive this gift is by receiving him and recognizing him as Lord. Because you see, I can receive Jesus as Savior... And say, wow, thanks, God. That was great. That was awesome. Keep up the good work and then go on down my life. But when I open my gift and I accept Jesus as Savior and I begin this walk with him through baptism, the way that I truly demonstrate that I am grateful for this gift in a way that makes meaning and significance to me is to say, I submit to you. You are now my Lord. And whatever you say, I will do. Even if it doesn't make sense to my earthly mind. Even if it's not convenient. Even if it's not the most enjoyable thing. If you are my Lord and you have saved me, then I will serve you by allowing you to be the Lord of my life. So this Christmas week, as you celebrate Noche Buena tomorrow night, Christmas Eve, and as you celebrate on Christmas Day, 
Spend some time reflecting on the truly good news of Christmas. That God has given us a Savior to save us from our sins. That he has done that through walking alongside us and being with us. And what he expects as our response is for us to receive him as Lord. My Savior can be, doesn't shouldn't be, but it can be a once-for-all kind of event. My baptism is a once-in-a-lifetime event for the majority of us. Yet Jesus as Lord is my commitment to him until we meet again. And so that's the good news. I bring to you good news. God has given you a Savior to save you, to save us from our sins, whether we know it or whether we don't. The challenge for us is to receive this gift and then return to God our lives. If we can help you with that, if there's any prayer requests that you have, if there's any challenges in your life that you would like to share with this church family, We'd be honored to do so. We're going to stand and sing, and uh, one of our elders will be, he, will be here to pray with you and for you and, uh, and pray that uh, God bless you all during this Christmas season. Let's stand and sing.